NBA free agency, trade speculations, no lack of rumors, no lack of hearsay. The only thing you know for certain is there's going to be a lot of player movement in terms of their destination. No question that's up in the air. But we'll get into that. Plus, we'll have a little bit of fun and talk about the 10 greatest shooters of all time. Let's go. Uh, I guess Anchor's back on their stuff again. You know what? Love the app. I do and all the things that it allows you to do. But you know what? No, No app is without a little bit of a flaw. They'll get it right. Um, as I was saying, if you were the Sixers, do you think it's worth it to keep Jimmy Butler? Well, I know it's worth it to give him the max and offer him the max. You're going to overpay. And, yes, he's going to be 29 in the back end of that deal. It's not likely he'll be playing at the highest level. But you were one great shot away from going to the finals. Mm-hmm. And if you believe he's that key a piece, you want to retain his services. His skill sets mesh well with what Joel Embiid can do. If the Sixers go to, let's say, two finals in the next three years and win one, that $190 million, it's worth it. Exactly. If you win one title, the $190 million is a good deal. If you lose Jimmy Butler in a trade and you get back Eric Gordon and Clint Capella – Two very good players. Look, Eric Gordon can get you 18 to 20 a game himself. He's not Jimmy Butler, but he gives you he gives you good value, not to mention Clint Capella will automatically be the best backup center in basketball should the Sixers decide to keep him. The question mm-hmm. I'm asking you is, though, if you lose Jimmy Butler, or, not, or let's not even call it lose, if you have to go with a sign-and-trade and end up with Capella and Gordon, do you offer Tobias Harris the max, or do you offer him what what the market dictates he should get? You offer what the market dictates what you get, but I'm I'm getting the feeling like he'll be he'll get a max he'll get a max offer somewhere else, so you won't even have to have that problem because he'll be gone. I'm I'm not going to disagree with that. Look, I think Tobias Harris is a really good player, and I've al- I've always said that. But I've always said there's also a reason why he's been moved a few times. I don't think he has another level when you look at his skill set. He shoots well enough from the three. Actually, he's better at catching shooting. He's not really that good at creating his own shot. He's pretty good in the post, but he's not a guy that can just take over a basketball game on a title contender or on a team that can play in the NBA Finals for a title, Tobias Harris is your third or fourth best option. That's that's the lane that he roams in. And I'm with you. I, if I'm Even if I have to move Jimmy Butler, I'm going to offer him a good deal, but I'm not going to overpay for his services because there's a few guys out there in free agency who can basically equal out his production at a lower price. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where we're at when we look at this free agent class. So every day it's because it's a slow news day. It's how does KD feel about the Warriors? How does Kawhi feel about the Raptors? Where is Kyrie going? It, actually, we've gotten to the point where t- people are saying like, nobody cares where he's going. Cause 
Kyrie's just a kind of a different brother. He's just kind of weird. But this is my thoughts. With Kevin Durant, I think he either stays with Golden State or he goes to New York. I don't think there's a third team. And I think if he stays with Golden State, I've told you this, it's because, yes, he can get the most money, but from a basketball and purely basketball standpoint, it makes the most sense. You've had not, not just the resume that you've built with them in terms of winning the titles and the finals MVPs. It's because you're coming off that Achilles. You're going to need that year, that first year back, because you play with Clay, Steph, Draymond. It will allow him not to like put too much pressure on himself to try to create off the dribble, to try to do the things that he normally did, because he's going to need that year. I think that first year, he's going to be primarily a jump shooter. And because of that talent and that system, I think it will it would allow him to play, be effective, but not feel pressure. That's mm-hmm. from a basketball standpoint. Now, on a human personal level, if you truly believe that they didn't have your best interest at heart, that they threw you to the wolves and put you out there knowing that there was a high possibility you would injure yourself, then of course you're going to leave. Why would you come back? If you never mind the players, like I think those relationships are real, they're genuine. But if you can't top, if you can't trust the top of your organization, if you can't trust management, why would you return? Yeah. I guess what I'm asking, in your opinion, if you were KD, which way would you go? Um, unless, unless I felt like, unless I felt like I was misinformed, if it was, if they really sit there, if they really sat there and said that they really thought that it was, it was a hand, it was a, it was a hamstring injury, but I mean, when you, when you look at it, you know, when they, when they was um, wrapping his leg up, they wasn't wrapping his hand, they wasn't wrapping his hamstring. They was wrapping his Achilles. So unless both of them was in on a lie and, and KD knew the risk and said, Hey, I'll do it anyway. But if he, if they sat there and told him like, well, you can't hurt it, you know, you can't hurt, you can't further hurt it and put him out there knowing that he was, you know, he was going to, it was a chance he was going to get hurt because they was, because they wanted to win the, the you know, they wanted to win the um the championship that bad. How can I sign back with them? So I'm kind of with you on this. If you trust management, if you believe that they, they didn't, put your future or your your career at risk and it was just a freak thing got you why wouldn't you come back but there seems to be a question about that so the team doctor says you're okay you can't injure it any further and of course you're going to be like so i'm good i can i can play you play and what happens you actually injure it further you actually rupture your achilles and sure Bob Myers can sit up there in a press conference and go, I don't think no one's to blame. And then he does it. Well, if you have to blame somebody, blame me. Sure. 
You're the president of basketball operations. And it's true. Team doctors are beholden to the team. I'm not saying the doctor purposely put KD in that situation, but I don't think he made the best decision for KD. If you knew, and everybody knew Kevin Durant wasn't 100%, wasn't healthy, why would you? To me, that alone is the reason you don't risk that. You already know he's not healthy. It's not like, well, he's about 95%. He wasn't that. And when we saw him play in the finals for those 12 minutes, yes, he shot the ball well when he was standing still and he could just catch it and raise up. But he couldn't go side to side. He couldn't run. And he wasn't moving well. And the one time he tried to make a quick move on Siakam, it was so slow, so deliberate, he got picked clean. Those 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 signs were there that Kevin Durant was not just not 100%, but but nowhere near that. Nowhere should, near being healthy. And they should have took him out. Right. Just over that. What blew my mind was before the game, and you pointed this out, is when they said, yeah, he'll be coming back, and he's not on a minutes restriction? Really? How is that possible? Most times when a guy is injured and he comes back with that kind of injury, they tell you right off the bat, you can play eight minutes a half or, or 10 minutes a half. They said no minutes restriction. The first 14 minutes of that game, KD played 12. The second time he tried to make a quick move, ruptured Achilles. I'm not going to dwell on that that much, but I thought you and I need to finish up on that because it does have an impact on free agency. He's the biggest domino. And yes, he's going to be out a year. But if you're KD, you could go to the Knicks and people go, well, what if a second star doesn't go there? That's not an issue for year one because year one, he's not playing. Year yeah. one, he's getting healthy. Year two, Andre Barrett's going to have a year under him. Kevin Knox is going to be a year better. Mitchell Robinson is going to be a year better. That young core will be better, and the Knicks will have free agency money, and there's going to be some big names coming up next season in free agency. Now, I'm not saying that's the ideal plan, but I think that is a realistic plan, especially if you truly believe and you're uncomfortable with Golden State's management because you're going to move on. And I don't think there are three or four teams he's looking at. I really think he's considering Golden State and maybe his heart and head is saying, I got to leave this place because something's just not right. And when you listen to the comments by Andre Iguodala, that doesn't help Golden State's management at all. Mm -hmm. When you heard what Iggy said, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I know people was like he... He wanted to, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he to sell books and stuff. But you get the, you get the, you get the feeling that, you know, they, they feel like, hey, they, you know, the organization is out for the organization and not for the players. It's like they, at the end of the day, is like it's the organization and you're a player and we expect you to play. It's not. You don't get a sense of that they they a family. It's like it's business. And maybe with Kevin Durant, even more so because 
yes, they, they made a splash in bringing him there a couple of three years ago, but he's not really part of their original core, right? They didn't draft him. They didn't develop him the way they did Draymond, the way they did Steph for Clay. So he's a little bit different. Because if you, you know, and I think I, and it's funny, man, because you pose the, you, you pose the question when, um, when, when Clay, when Clay um, tweaked his hamstring, they had him on a minutes restriction. Now, KD been more out for a month. It was just like, hey, you just go and play. It, it You get the sense that they was like, well, the hell with it. You know, um, KD leaving anyway, so we can just get whatever we can get out of him. And the crazy part is, like Jalen Rose reported, Hit the workout that he had, the half-court workout, the one-on-ones, the two-on-twos, they didn't go well. He didn't look good. That was on Friday. And then you turn around and you go, he's good on Monday. That's not – that's insane. And I'm not going to dwell on that. Here, it, it comes down to this. I think it's still between two teams, and it's really going to come down to his trust or lack of trust in the Warriors organization Yes, I do think he'd be willing to leave money on the table if he felt they undermined and hurt his career. Um, moving forward, when we look at the other top domino to fall or yet to fall, Kawhi Leonard, I think it's a two-team race there. People say it's between the Raptors and the Clippers. It might be. But my gut feeling is, He's coming back to the Raptors, maybe not on a five-year deal like they could offer him, but I could see Kawhi signing a short-term deal, a one-and-one, and making himself available next season. Do you think think there's a third team that he might take a look at, or do you think it's more about him coming back to to the Raptors short-term? I mean, to me right now, I think if he would, if he could find, if it was a play out there that that he would join, he would go somewhere. But I don't think he's going to the. I don't think he's going to go to the Clippers just to, just for the simple fact is that he's going to be playing in the same place that LeBron and AD is playing. That's a good and, point. And he wants to to help his brand. And it's not like he's the you know, the most charismatic person in the world. So I mean He's not the most it's funny, he's not the most charismatic guy, and he's trying to sell the most uninteresting tennis shoes ever created. And then you it's know. like and then if you, if you really think about it, I mean, to, you know, everybody's like, well, why leave Toronto is great, this, that, and the other, but he won a championship. And he's not really talked about. It's basically like LeBron and AD. That's true. That It's kind of weird how that's kind of like, that's, that's kind of fallen into place. 
everybody seemed to be really wrapped up in what the Lakers have done. Look, the Lakers make for great speculation, great rumors. They always have. They they're almost like they're, they're like that magazine in the in the in the shopping store in the in the in the in the um at the grocery store that you pick up and you know ninety percent of the news in those those things are trash, but you're gonna read. You can't control yourself. I, I think the Lakers are like that in a lot of ways. To me, Kawhi deserves just as much attention, if not more, than anybody else. At the end of the day, he won a title, and he won it without a second superstar. And to me, that has great value. I think he deserves a lot more respect than he's been getting. I think Kawhi Leonard, look, if he decides to go to the Clippers, I, I wouldn't get the move. Because ultimately, it's still the Clippers. And you can tell me that Doc's a very good coach, and he is. But from a basketball point of view, that roster is not better than the roster that he's currently on. They might have the best six-man in the NBA. Definitely the greatest six-man as a scorer ever in Lou Williams. Montrez Harrell's a great energy guy who rebounds, plays hard, never quits. Love both of them. But those are their two best players, and they come off the bench. I look at the rest of that roster, they're not better than the roster that he's currently on. Siakam is an ascending young player who's only going to get better. I actually think Siakam has a real shot to be an all-star next season. And you've got Sergi Baca returning on a one-year deal. And you've got Mark Gasol who will opt in on a one-year deal. Lowry, a proven veteran. You're going to leave that to go to the Clippers? Wow. And, and you know what? Let's be real. If, if LeBron wouldn't have had a little sit, hissy fit and quote unquote got injured, you know, even though it looked like he was fine to me, the Clippers probably wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Look, they made the AC and Doc deserves credit and respect to them for having a good season. And more importantly, when they got into the playoffs, they didn't embarrass themselves. They beat Golden State twice in Golden State. But do I look at the Clippers roster and say, like others have said, Max Kellerman and a few other pundits have said, if you add Kawhi, that team's going to the finals. Yeah, I don't see that. If you add Kawhi, they're very good. And they'll contend that team's not going to the finals. I don't say this as a homer. The Lakers are certainly an incomplete team. All they have right now is AD, LeBron, and Kuzma. But if they put competent role players around those three players, they, that's they still a better team than the Clippers with yeah. Kawhi. With Kawhi, that's still a better team than the Clippers. That's a better team than the Portland Trailblazers. And they went to the conference finals. The only team that's not definitively better than when you talk about top to bottom talent because of their depth and that each player in that roster seems to be getting better every year would be the Nuggets. Yeah. But I'd put them ahead of everybody else. You trust Russell Westbrook to suddenly change his style of play, become a better decision maker, become make, make and take better shots. No, nah, I love Russ. But this, I've always said this. What makes him great is also the same thing that ultimately hurts him and his teammates. And until he can take a back seat and not just in a regular season, 
in the playoffs, they're always going to have a short ceiling. You're not, you cannot win. You cannot win a title if Russell Westbrook's your best player. That's, that's, that, that is not shade that I don't love and respect Russ. I'm just telling you, when you're talking about winning titles, he can't be that guy. The truth is, he's not that guy. When I look at, when you hear the rumors about Jimmy Butler to Houston that we talked about earlier, here's the thing, though. If that goes through H, do you think the Rockets win a title? No. Now, you're saying no because you must be thinking like me. How does Jimmy Butler, how is he allowed to be Jimmy Butler when he's watching James Harden dribble the air out the basketball? I mean, in D'Antoni and D'Antoni's offense, that's that's the way it is. They they get the primary ball handler, and he just dribble, 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 and everybody else be in the corner, ready, ready to shoot threes. I mean, and Jimmy can shoot the three, but he's not he's not a spot up shooter, and he doesn't shoot the three at that high level. Jimmy Butler gets buckets by putting the ball on the floor, posting up, shooting the mid-range. He, he, he's a playmaker. I don't know how he can be effective if he's got to watch James Harden dribble out 24-second clock. Not to mention, now you're, we're leaving out Chris Paul. You put Jimmy Butler, James Harden, and Chris Paul on the floor at the same time, the thing that they all have in common is they're all at their very best when the ball is in their hands. <laughs> They're not spot-up shooters. Have you ever in your life, as long as you've watched him play since he's been with Houston, have you ever seen James Harden do anything when he's off the ball? Nothing. He doesn't cut. He doesn't come off screens. He doesn't do anything. When he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's just a bystander. He, he just has a great seat. He's just watching everything go on. He doesn't run to go set a pick. He doesn't do anything. And as much as I respect Chris Paul – and Chris Paul can play off the ball better than James Harden. He's kind of similar. He's not that good without the ball in his hands. Well, I feel the same way about Jimmy Butler. You're adding another guy who at his very best is when he's got the ball in his hands. That lineup, that threesome, that only works well on a video game. In real life, it won't change anything. They're not going to win a title. <laughs> I'll just... I was just laughing because I, I remember um, when Dan Tony was with the Knicks and Jeremy Lin was doing the same thing James Harden doing and and Mello was just sit, sitting in the corner waiting, for, you know, waiting for the ball and he used to complain about the offense and people was killing, people was killing Mello, man, I'm and, and I'm not hating. That's true. That's 100% true. Melo got caught up in the D'Antoni system, and it's, and it's guard-centric. You see what that system did for Steve Nash. You see what it did for Jerry Millen to a lesser degree, obviously. Let's say, let's say what it did for Jerry Millen for about a month and a half. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was special for a month and a half, and then reality caught up with him. And you've seen what it did for James Harden. We, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say James Harden it looks like Steve Nash on steroids. Right, because he's more of a scorer, and he's a bigger, more physical player than Steve Nash. Not to mention, um, he, he might be the greatest offensive flopper I've ever seen. He's gifted. <laughs> he's a gifted actor. 
And I'm not hating. I, I think James Harden is a great talent. But I'm also one of those people that think that when you watch Houston play, he can be hard to watch. It could it can wear you down. It it the ball just sticks. And I know he averages eight assists a game, but he averages eight assists a game because he's the only one who has the ball in his hands. A lot like some other guys that I won't mention. I think that on paper, Houston wants to make this splash move because they think because the Warriors are down, adding Jimmy Butler, it's a lock that they get to the finals. I think that if you add Jimmy Butler to those other two guys, they're going to be at each other's throat before the halfway mark. (laughs) I'll take the over that there's a locker room fight before the halfway point of the season. (laughs) The smart move for Houston is because Golden State is probably more of a like a seventh or borderline eighth seed with what they're going to return. You don't need to change anything other than maybe add depth and more shooters around Harden and Chris Paul because you, like you said, H, they've already committed to a certain style of play. They've already given out the money to Chris Paul and Harden. You just gonna have to ride this out, and but I don't think you have to make you have to trade for Jimmy Butler because now you're adding another ball-dominant player. You don't need that. What you need is, I'd make the argument that you need to pursue somebody like Seth Curry or or J.J. Redick. You need another sharpshooter on that team because you play so much ISO basketball. Yeah, but, you know. What do you, I have a question for you. So we know that the Nets are going to go hard after Kyrie, and I'm sure in a perfect world, they'd like to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I don't think it's a perfect world. But let's say they get Kyrie. Where do you see D'Angelo Russell's future? Even though he's a restricted free agent, once you sign Kyrie Irving, you're basically telling D'Angelo Russell, we're not going to match any offer you get. Yeah. you Basically, D'Angelo Russell is gone. And... And I'm gonna tell you, you, what do you think his what do you think his value is on the open market? Um, maybe that fifteen to twenty million dollar range, maybe, maybe eighteen. I don't think you and I are that far off. I don't think he's quite 20 million. I think D'Angelo Russell, you know, you're coming off the all-star season, but you know, and I know we've had this conversation. Everybody's capable of having a blip season. So with respect to his growth and what he's done as a player, I think if someone offered him 16, 17 million a year, I don't think that's disrespectful at all. Not to mention he's 22 years old. If he signs a short-term deal, and his his development and his production still goes upward. That means the next deal that he signed is going to be a max deal. Now I'm not I'm I'm not saying and I don't want anybody out there listening. I'm not saying that there's not a team out there that won't give him a max contract. But I am saying there's not a team out there that's a playoff contender that's going to do that. Uh, you know what? It, it sounds. It sound good, but I'm going to tell you, when you got 
in this year's this year's Mars Golf, that's gonna be Chris Sasprazingas. When he gets a max deal, <laughs> a whole lot of people was owners can't can't help themselves. I'm telling you, it's a lot of people gonna get a lot of money this this offseason. And I wanna be fair to Prazingas. So when people say, Mo, you don't think he's talented. Nope, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I, I do think he's talented. Do I think he's as talented as a lot of others think he is? I don't. He's not. It's, it, it's just facts. If Never mind he got injured and he missed a good portion of the season. Just, just look at his resume before that. He's really good. And he's a big man that can shoot from distance pretty well. But he's a seven-footer who's not exceptionally quick who's not a very good defender in space. He's a very good weak side defender. If he can come over and block shots, he's good at that. But when he's guarding his man, he gets eaten alive. When he gets put in pick and roll situations, the defense, the offense always gets something good. And he's not a unicorn. The only unicorn in the National Basketball Association just ruptured his Achilles. That's a unicorn. What's up, bro? What's good, H? So I, I know we left off the conversation about Przingis yesterday. We kind of said we had to say joked a little bit, and then we cut it short. And I know you keep up on the latest news. What are your thoughts on the Celtics being the front runners for Kemba Walker? And what do you think his impact will be in the Eastern Conference? Well, um, my opinion that Signing Kimball Walker, they're going to be making a huge mistake. I mean, you know, Danny Ainge and a lot of people saying that he's kind of similar to Kyrie. I'm like, uh, I, I don't think so. So I think there are similarities in their skill sets, but I don't think there are similarities in their level of skill, right? So there is a separation. Um, it's not like Kemba Walker, they're going to say, well, he's more of a playmaker. He isn't. He doesn't, he doesn't average any more assists per game than Kyrie. He's not really a playmaker per se. He's actually a physically smaller guard than Kyrie. And while Kyrie is not a great defender, neither is Kemba Walker. But, and Kemba seems to be more of a streaky shooter than Kyrie. You know what? You could say um, kind of like how – you can make a comparison to James Harden and LeBron. They kind of do the same thing, but what separates LeBron from Harden, LeBron's more efficient with, you know, making shots. Now, I think it's nope. the same thing with um Kyrie and Kemba. No doubt. I'm, I'm with you 100% on that in the sense that, yes, ultimately what gets missed when people talk about James Harden and Russell Westbrook or LeBron, is they're all ball-dominant players. And when you're a ball-dominant player, is it shocking that you don't only lead the team in scoring, you also lead them in assists because the ball sticks with you throughout the shot clock? This is not to say LeBron's not a great player. I think he is a great player. I think he is one of the top five players in the history of basketball. Maybe, maybe when it's all said and done, top three. Some already have him number one. That's insane, but some do. But, yes, I, I think if you're ball dominant, you're going to put up those kind of numbers. It's more importantly, that, that really factors in 
in the style of play within this era, but I digress. Right, let's get back to Kemba, Kyrie. Yes, they are similar skill sets, but like, right, there's a level to this. And you could probably make the case that, well, maybe Kemba's a better locker room guy. He might be a better dude all the way around. Not going to debate that. Kyrie's kind of weird. We, we know this. But when you put Kemba on that Boston team, and you're saying you're 1A or 1B to Jason Tatum's 1A, and then there's Jalen Brown, and then you factor in what you're going to get from Gordon Haywood, no Al Horford, no Morris. You're probably not bringing – if you're bringing in Kemba Walker, you're not giving Terry Rozier money. So it's going to be a different team. And I, I really don't think, like, unless they're going to play faster, I, I don't think their fate changes. I think what happens is you're just going to be stuck with that contract. And ultimately, when you look at the East – for the Kimball Walker move to have any kind of impact, Kawhi's got to leave. The Sixers have to strike out with Jimmy Butler, Harris, and Reddick. I mean, a lot of things have to work for that to matter. Because if Kawhi comes back, if the Sixers keep most of their core, if Victor Oluwadipo comes back, what are the Celtics with Kimball Walker, the addition of Kimball Walker, the fourth or fifth seed in the East? That that basically is what they were before. I I I don't think it changes. I don't think they get better. Not to mention, when you lose Al Horford, who's a good defender, actually a great team defender, and he's the kind of big that can step away and draw bigs from the basket because he can shoot the three, and he's a leader, that's a big impact. You can I, I just, not to cut ahead. you off, you can make the argument that when they was on they on that run to the um to the Eastern Conference Finals, Al Horford was their best player. Yes, indeed. No question. Al Horvath was their best player during that run. He's their, he was their, their most consistent player throughout that season. He was their most consistent player, along with Morris, I would say, this season. Even though Al was in and out of the lineup, when he played, once healthy, he and Morris were their two most consistent players. I Look, if this is Danny Ainge's big move, it, it seems like a desperation move. His, his desperation move is only being topped by Houston's GM, Daryl Morey, who's trying to bring Jimmy Butler to play alongside James Harden and Chris Paul. What's insane about that is you're bringing in a ball-dominant player to play with two guys who don't get along because they're ball-dominant in a system designed by Mike D'Antoni that puts the hand in the point guard, and the point guard controls every facet of the offense. You're asking Jimmy Butler to spot up in the corner and wait for opportunities, along with Chris Paul, who's not satisfied with his role already. The idea, like one, the skill sets don't seem like they would work, and two, the personalities. The person that what what are the odds before the All Star break? There's not a a locker room brawl. Yeah, because um, basically, in D'Antoni's system, Chris Paul and um, Butler's are basically role players. Right. You're take you're telling them to take less shots. Look, guys want to win, but Jimmy Butler didn't come there to be a role player. And he's not a role player. Yes, Chris Paul is a lesser version of himself, but I think when he's healthy, he's still a borderline all-star caliber player. And ultimately, they've got to they've got to do something outside the box and get away from just doing that same 
bring the ball up, let James ISO. They've got to come up with some different plays, run some pin downs, do 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 some kind of crossing motions or do double picks, do a swinging gate, anything different, something other than James dribbles it up, dribbles the air out of the ball, and then he either shoots or passes to somebody. But I, I, my thing is this. I know that's your hometown, Jimmy Butler. Man, you must really not like it in Philly to be considering this. <laughs> and and if you know Dan, and if you know Dan Tony, man, he's what you see is what you get. He's not making no adjustments. He's going to keep doing the same thing. He's been doing it for years. Well. If they pull off this move, this is what I'll say to Houston fans. It looks really good, and it's going to work perfectly on NBA 2K. But in real life, you're not going to win a title. You're, and you're going to be stuck with three massive contracts that nobody is going to take back. I'm not rooting against the Rockets because as a fan of the league, I like it when there are more great teams. I like the competition. But what I don't see is I don't see those skill sets or those personalities matching up mostly because of the style of play and that particular coach. Let me ask you this. When you look at the Rockets with Jimmy Butler, you see them going to the finals? No. Right. So the Warriors, obviously, through injuries, are going to take a step back. I still think they might ultimately find a way to get into the playoffs, but nonetheless, they're not favored to win anything this coming season. But if you're the Rockets, rather than make this monstrous move out of desperation, don't you really need to do is just add more depth, add more shooting? You've already committed to a style. You've already committed to two, two monster contracts. Why add a third when all you really need to do in terms of top-heavy talent is stand pat and improve your bench and improve your depth. That's a lot less expensive than bringing in a big name that more than likely I don't see him meshing with what you have. But they, they GM seems like they more like the looking at the shiny piece instead of looking at the big picture. And just for the record, if I'm the Sixers, you're not strong-arming me. I like Eric Gordon, but they don't have a need for Capella. And, and he's actually got a pretty big contract himself. They don't have a need to have this monster's contract from your backup center. So if I'm the Sixers, nah, I'm straight. I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to tell Jimmy, here's the deal. We're going to offer you a five-year, $190 million to stay, stay here with us. Make it or, it. or you can just bounce, outright bounce. But what we're not going to do is – we're not doing a sign trade, and you're going to send us back Capella and Eric Gordon. Now nah, we're cool. We're good. Guess what? The Sixers will have money. If he wants to go that route, they, can, they have money. There are actually some pretty good players out there. You lose Jimmy Butler, guess what? You need to call Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. That should be your – That should be, you should, actually, you should be calling him right away. I would call Malcolm Brogdon before I called Tobias Harris. He's a better player, period. He's a more versatile player. We're talking about the era of positionless basketball. You want Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon much more than you want Tobias Harris, who's a good player. I think Malcolm Brogdon is an impact player. I think he's underrated, underappreciated. He's a, he's a point slash two guard, a combo who can 
He can run your offense. He can create his own offense, and he shoots over 42% from three, and he can defend at a high level. Malcolm Brogdon is the guy that everybody's sleeping on that he should be receiving a lot of phone calls. I mean, uh, I would like him on my team. I would take him in a minute. If the Lakers were smart, stop. Look, look. I like D'Angelo Russell. I'm, I'm happy for him that he's elevated himself to become an all-star caliber player. I don't think he's going to be like an eight- or nine-time all-star. I think he's going to be more of a perennial where he might make over his 10-year career, he might make three or four all-stars. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's really, really good. The thing about D'Angelo Russell is, though, he's a high-volume shooter. He, he's not a great shooter, but he shoots the ball a lot. And he's not an elite athlete, not a good defender. He's, a, he's really a two who has the ability to play some point. I just think Brogdon, not a splashier name, but if you ask me between those two guys who's the better player, it's Brogdon. And, and Brogdon will cost a lot less. You agree? Correct. So if I'm the Lakers, stop looking for – you don't need another splash move. You've got two top five players. Make a deal, sign Brogdon, and then build your, build your roster out. Go after Patrick Beverly. Go after Danny Green. Ask Brooke Lopez what he might need to return. Do that, and you'll have a deeper, better team. If you can put together that type of team with depth around two stars, then you're a legit title contender. But if you try to spend all your money on three guys and then you build the rest of your, your, your roster out with minimum players, you're going to have problems. More importantly, the first time someone does a load management and you're a lesser version of your team, you're going to lose games. Or if heaven help you, if two guys decide on the same night, load management night. That's an L. <laughs> you feel me? So, so be smart in how you build your roster. You don't always have to go for the big name. I get that Kawhi's out there, and I'm a fan. But if you're going to get Kawhi or you wanted Kawhi, then you shouldn't have traded all those dudes for Anthony Davis. True. You know, and the funny thing is that if they were really serious about Kawhi, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have brought in Anthony Davis because you would have kept those young assets. Kawhi was an out and out free agent. You could have added Kawhi to LeBron and already had your bench. That's what's crazy. But <sighs> look, you know how it is. It's the crazy season. And this is the fun part about being a basketball fan. It's also the crazy part about being a basketball fan because the rumors are constant and they flow, it seems like, almost every hour. And everybody you know on social media is quick to drop some kind of like somewhat phony breaking news. And you're like, Breaking news. Kemba Walker might come to the Lakers for the mid-level. And you're like, what? And then you look where where, where the story is from is like a, like the Daily Bongo and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one joint, it was like, it said um, Kawhi is going to talk with the Lakers and sit down and the Lakers have a chance. And then I was like, where is this from? And you look where the source is. It's fadeaway.com. Never heard of it. <laughs> fadeaway.com. All right, all right, man. It's getting to the point now where me and you might as well put up our own website and just say thebrothers.com and say, what's from us? Yeah. Because it, it, it's that crazy. Everybody's a news source. Look, we talk ball, but ultimately, ultimately, you and I, we're fans. We know the game. We can speak on the game. 
but I can't give you some inside information on how Kawhi Leonard's thinking, how how LeBron's thinking about what the Lakers are going to do with him over the next three years with Anthony Davis. No, no one can know. We can always speculate, just like all the pundits on TV do, but actually, no. There's only here's the only certainty I know about free agents. I know that Jimmy Butler don't want to play in Philly, but I bet $190 million could make him change his mind about Philly. <laughs> the, only, the only definite that we know is the Dallas Mavericks is going to give Przingis a max deal. That's the only thing that we know. Well, there's two. De- there's actually three definites. We know they're going to offer him that max. We know that KD ain't playing this season. And we know that Kyrie's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> That's keeping it 100. Uh, but I digress. You know what? Today we're gonna have a little bit of fun. I I, I used to do this thing called Facebook and um, YouTube. It's called answers and responses, or questions and responses, depending on what they put out there. So I'm gonna read a few of these, and you know what? I'll, I'll let you take the first one. So this is from Wash Twenty Two. It says, "I guess Golden State isn't the dynasty that everybody said they were, including you guys. Congrats, Raptors." Um, they kind of um won three three championships in five years, right? That would make you a dynasty. Um, yeah. No offense, Wash Twenty Two. Dynasties do come to an end, but if you go to five straight finals and you win three titles, you in fact were a dynasty. Uh, everybody loves to talk about the Kobe Shaq Lakers. They only they won three in a row, but that's all they won was those three. But that was considered a dynasty. The Warriors were a dynasty. And I don't know if they're going to win any more titles. H and I have speculated about it and talked about it, and part of us wants to say probably not if Durant doesn't come back. But are you asking me, will Golden State still be relevant moving forward? Yes, they will, because when you can keep Clay, Steph, and you have cap space, whether you decide to keep Draymond or not, they will add enough talent that they're going to always be a contender going forward. They're going to win 50-plus games. What you know, As far as actually winning titles, I can't tell you that, but they're going to be relevant. They're going to be in the picture. And when you, when you add, let's say they, they play five more years together and they average 55 wins a season and maybe they go to a couple of more conference finals but don't get out or they go to a couple of more conference semis, that's part of their resume to go with what they've done with the titles. When you think about that level of success, overall, you can't question whether or not that's a a dynasty. Guess what? Dynasties also lose too. So I'm going to disagree and say they were a dynasty, and we actually picked the Raptors to win that series. I don't. I'm not sure he 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 listened to that episode, but you had him in five, and I had him in six, and we picked him for the obvious reason: no KD. All right. The next question is more about free agency. This is from Lavelle, 1913. He says the best landing spot for Malcolm Brogdon is where, and do you think he's capable of being an All Star player? Mm. Um, I could, depending on the situation, I could, I could see Brogdon maybe 
make an all-star too? I'm going to be selfish and be a homer. The best place for him is with the Lakers. <laughs> he really well, should consider that, you know, I could do the whole pitch about weather and opportunity. Maybe there's still a couple of cameo roles left in Space Jam too. You know what I mean? Being, being that he, he could play both guard positions, I mean, shoot the three and play defense. I think he's a fit for any team. Any team would like him. You know, he's, he's a versatile player. No, let's not forget, he's still only 26 years old. Um, this question is from Kendrick K. Why is everybody hyping up the Lakers? Yeah, they have Braun and AD, but what talent can they add to them? Let me take well, this one. Um, no, you take this one. Go ahead. You take this one. I mean, um, being that LeBron and AD, they just them two. They like the two of the top players in the top ten in the NBA. Yeah, I, I actually have them both top five. You know, and once you have them two, shoot, if you can um, get you know, make smart moves, they, they, they'll be contenders, you know, for a championship. Uh, I couldn't sit here and, and not deny it. Shoot, I wish I had LeBron and AD on my team. And those are facts. It, it's not a – now, I'm not – we're not sitting here saying the Lakers are going to win the title. We're not, we're not going crazy. But if you've got Anthony Davis, LeBron James – not to mention you retain Kuzma, who I think is a fourth option, not a third, but a fourth option, but whatever. But if you have those three, you don't need another splash player. You need to make smart moves. You need to look at Terrence Ross, try to have a conversation with Seth Curry. Uh, maybe Willie Cauley-Stein is a big man. Take, or take another look at Brooke Lopez if you want that pick and pop five. You need to make those type of moves. Go after Patrick Beverly. Who doesn't want Dirty Bev on their team? He's a warrior. So, yes, I think they can put the right talent around them, but this is all about their front office and what do they value more, splash moves or smart moves. So I guess we'll have to see. We'll find out on the next episode of The Shop. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about The Shop. Um, this one is from Nukem. If I'm tearing up your name, it just spelled Nukem, so that's what I see. It says, book it, fam. Zion will be a superstar before the end of his rookie season. Yeah, I'm going to say no. But I'm sure he'll get some exciting dunks, some exciting plays. And I'm not going to even say he won't put up decent numbers. But superstar? No, I don't see that. Not, not Most definitely not in his rookie season. I mean, you know. Um, it depends on what you mean, superstar. I mean, well, I mean, like, an, I, for me, I'm, I'm saying, are you saying, like, in terms of popularity? Because he's already like a really big, popular social media guy, and and um, he's probably bigger than a lot of established stars already. But I'm talking about like actually a superstar on the basketball court. I don't think he's going to be that. I actually don't think he's going to be that at all. I do think he can be very good. He might even be a guy who makes seven or eight all-star teams, but a superstar, a franchise player, I don't see that. Um, judging by his numbers, I could see him 
maybe 15 to 17 points a game, maybe eight rebounds. I think he's going to average double-digit rebounds. I do. I look, I, I'm not saying he won't put up good numbers, but there's there's stars, superstars, and then there's franchise players, the guys that you actually can build a team around, know that, that eventually that guy can take you to a finals or a title. And mm-hmm. to say that he's going to be anywhere near that in year one, you're now you're putting him up there with like one-year phenoms like LeBron or Michael Jordan in his rookie year or Kareem in his rookie year, and we can go on and on, but I can't do that. I, or Magic Johnson in his rookie year, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, but here's the thing. This is the beauty about this. If we're wrong, because H and I don't run, hit us back and go, you guys are wrong. Zion was everything they said he was. And I'll remember your name because Newcomb is kind of hard to forget. Um, the next question is from Jay Downs. I hope – I hope a contender signs D Rose because I think he's ready to shine. What are your thoughts? Um, I, think I agree. Actually, uh, hey Jay Downs, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I think Derrick Rose would be a great addition to a contender. He's shown that he still has some quickness and explosion, but more importantly, he's adapted to this game. He's improved his three-point shot to make it respectable. He shot almost 38% from the field from three. So, yes, I think D. Rose will be a great addition. Matter of fact, again, being the homer, he should go to the Lakers. I mean, um, but do you view him Do you view him as a starter or, or like a six-man? Oh, I, I, I view him as a six-man. I think that he would be great as a six-man. But here's the thing. You know how basketball is. It's not who starts the game. It's what five you have to finish the game. D. Rose might be on the court when the game is being finished. So, yeah. Uh, Here's one from Dawson91. It says, I disagree with what you said about the Sixers taking a step back if they lose Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. As long as they keep J.J. Redick, they're good. You agree? Um... No, and it's – I mean, it's a – to be honest with you, it's a chance they might lose all three. Yeah, look, they – remember, they had the team that you just mentioned. They had – they had Jimmy – excuse me, they had Reddick. They had Joel Embiid. They had Ben Simmons and some role players around, but that was like their core, and that team, I believe, lost in the second round. I've, so we've, we've read that book. We've seen that ending. If that's what they return with, the only way they're going to be relevant as far as to contending for a title is if Kawhi leaves. If the Raptors come back at full strength and you lose Harris and Butler, no, you're not a threat to them. That series, in that series, if it plays out again, it won't be seven games. They'll, they'll be done in, with Philly in about five at best. Mm-hmm. So, no. I don't think you can afford to lose them, stand pat, and expect to be a title contender. But, and I keep bringing his name up again, I've said it to you, H, if you lose them, you call Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, man. Um, What I didn't even, you know, just a little bit off topic, what I didn't even know, guess who lives in Brooklyn? Malcolm Brogdon? No, JJ. JJ <laughs> Reddick. Really? Yeah. 
get out of here. That's crazy. He lives in he at, he commutes from Brooklyn to Philadelphia. I would have never known that. Guessed on that a hundred years that Reddick lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. You know what? You never know. I would I would have been like, oh, he must live. Reddick lives like in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, or something like that. But okay. Look at JJ keeping it close to the streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to read these because I, 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 you know, I've been promising to read these for a minute, so. I just took a bunch of them and mixed them up. This is Rod 45. The Blazers will be in the finals next season. Both of y'all can book it. Rod, no, they won't be. But if they buy tickets like you or I could buy, then they will be. But actually playing in the finals, no. And I love Dame, love CJ. They don't have enough talent. And that trade they just made, that's not going to change anything. They basically traded Evan Turner for left-handed Mo Harkless. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> now you got left-hand and right-hand Mo Harkless. Not good. <laughs> not next, next, next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> I look. I like. I like all Blazers fans. We're good. Um, this is from Louisville. Louisville. Mo, if the Rockets get Jimmy Buckets, it's a wrap. No. What's going to happen is, and you said this, H, they go ahead and make that move. This time next year, Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni fired. Yeah. Fired. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to force them to do something that they thought they would never do. Probably going to have to trade James Harden. You can get a haul for him. Yeah, that that's that's your best bet. If you get stuck with those contracts, you ain't gonna move. First of all, you ain't moving Chris Paul, but you're definitely not gonna move Jimmy Buckets on a max deal. The only guy that's movable that you can still get value for is James Harden. You might have to trade James. Greek God, he said, once the Bucks sign all their free agents, the East is gonna be theirs for the next five years. Your thoughts? Um, first of all, they, I mean, I don't think they're going to sign all their free agents. Well, they don't have the money to. Let's start with the obvious part. Like, we already know they have to overpay Chris Middleton to keep his services, right? Mm -hmm. Brogdon is a restricted free agent, so you can resign him in theory, but if somebody offers him a big contract, you're not going to be able to match Mm -hmm. that. And because of he had such a productive season last year, you're not going to be able to bring Brooke Lopez back on a $3 million deal. Brooke Lopez is probably looking for something where at least around 10 or $11 million. Mm-hmm. And what about Meritage? Meritage is going to want 10 or $11 million. And Ilawasova is going to want seven. You just don't have the money for it. The reality is, your best bet is, if you can keep Middleton and Brogdon, I would say you had a good free agency. This is from o- Oli. I'm sorry, man. It's just the way it's spelled. Everybody's sleeping on my Nuggets. H, H, and Mo are the Nuggets legit title contenders. Um, I, last I don't know if you heard heard me. I had I actually had them going to the Western Conference Finals, but. They won because I, I picked them over Portland, but they lost. I guess because of inexperience. But yeah, right now, I mean, 
you could say Denver's a I expect them to make the Western Conference Finals. Um, I mean, barring no serious injury. I agree with you on Denver, H, 100%. I'm, I'm all in on the Nuggets. And, look, we, we made that bet. And the way that series started off, I thought, like, man, I think the Nuggets might sweep Portland. But, no, with that young core coming back and they're going to be a year better, more experienced, got a taste of the playoffs – been in tough seven-game series, not to mention they're going to get back a healthy Michael Porter Jr., their lottery pick that didn't play all last year. So they're going to add talent in the offseason without making major moves or losing major pieces. The only person they might be in danger of losing is a guy who I thought brought veteran leadership to their team, and he was productive, and that's Paul Millsap. Hopefully they can come to kind of a short-term deal with Millsap and get him back. But I'm with you. If if there are no major injuries and they just retain the talent that they have, the Nuggets are going to be in the conference finals. And if Joker keeps ascending the way he does, along with Murray and company, I'd be shocked if they don't have a legit shot to come out the West. Yeah. Um, This last one is from <laughs> – this is, this is always a smart alley. This is from – Vitalis, Lakers will miss the playoffs again with Braun and AD. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me just say this about that. You know what, fam? I, I'll keep it 100. Is it impossible that that could happen? That's not impossible. It, it could happen. But assuming they put, a, put half decent, functioning, solid role players around the two of them, they're going to get in the playoffs. Uh, that's my belief. I'd be shocked if if they're 100% healthy and they're unable to get into the playoffs, even if they're not even br- bringing in like some kind of um, splash player. Like I said, just put solid functioning players around them, knowing their skill sets that complement their skill sets. Obviously, you're going to need shooters and you're going to need wing defenders, and they're going to be in the playoffs. And, you know, I I agree, but, I mean, being that I don't really like LeBron, (laughs) it would bring me me joy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah, I I don't need that. I don't need you being joyful. That's my team. So, yeah. You know, the only only thing that would make me feel even greater – is my aunt the, t- the day I found out Miami gave Dion Waiters a multi guaranteed chip? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> the last question um, is from Penny Love, Penny Love 08. The Clippers are getting Kawhi. I guarantee it. The Clippers are getting Kawhi. Um, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I do think that he's going to meet with them. I do think if you want to say it's between three teams, sure, Raptors, Clippers, and I think one of the New York teams, more more realistically, the Knicks. But I know, look, Jerry West is one of the great GMs, great evaluators of talents in NBA history. And They've got the one owner in the NBA. Well, there's a lot of big pockets owners, but I think he has the deepest pockets. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. But you're in the Eastern Conference, Kawhi Leonard. 
and you just won the title. If you go back to the Raptors, I'm not saying it's a lock you'd repeat, but you would be in a really good position to repeat. If you go to the West and play with the Clippers, yes, you have the two best bench players in basketball with Harold and Lou Williams, but the rest of those starters, they're, they're pretty average. They're pretty plain. I don't think that's enough for you to get out the West. I, and I don't think it's being out of pocket to say that if you go to the Clippers, you're not going to be able to beat the Lakers. You just won't. You won't. You won't beat you. You won't beat them in, on the court or even off the court with endorsements. That's you know what. When you really think about it, if you know if Kawhi wants to help his brand, and that's what a lot of players do, he wouldn't go to the Clippers, man. In the same building as LeBron and and um, and Anthony Davis, it doesn't make really it, it doesn't make sense. Especially when you're trying to hawk New Balance, that's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like going that's like going to the Nets trying to hawk ponies. It ain't gonna work. <laughs> that's not gonna work. I'm just, that's just not gonna. Nobody's buying New Balance. You know when people buy New Balance when they want to cut their grass. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's the only purpose. That's why it boggles, you know, I might be wrong. You know, if 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 the Clippers or the Brooklyn Nets get any big free agents, I'll I'll come on the show and say, yo, I was wrong. I have no problem admitting being wrong. And look, to be fair about free agency, sometimes it's a crapshoot and something you don't foresee happening actually happens. Look, I didn't see LeBron coming to the Lakers. I didn't. You and I talked about it over and over and over, and I was like, it doesn't make sense from a basketball standpoint, and yet he did it anyway, so I learned something. You just never know. Um, uh, I mean, because I'm from Brooklyn, and I wouldn't play play for the – I wouldn't play at the Barclays Center. Um, before we end this episode, we were we we're talking about having a little bit of fun also. We're talking about some of the all-time greats. So there's top tens. There's never a lack of top tens in all sports. But this one is different. We were talking about the greatest shooters of all time. And, and don't confuse greatest shooters with who's the better player or this or that. But these are just great shooters. And I had a top ten. And everybody's top ten is different. But here's my top ten greatest shooters. And – just so you know, with, within my criteria to be one of my top 10, you had to average at least 10 or more field goal attempts per game. And you would have had to play at least three years in the NBA. So that's, that's where I start at. So that's going to eliminate a lot of specialists like Kerr and Paxson and guys of that ilk or Corver and so on and so on. So here's my top 10 in no particular order. Everybody's going to put somebody at number one and this and that, but I'm just going to give you 10 names. Steph Curry, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, Clay Thompson, Chris Mullen, Larry Bird, KD, Dirk, Reggie Miller, Jeff Hornacek, and Peja Stoyakovic. That's my top 10. And I know there's going to be some other names that people mention, and I have them in honorable mention. I know a lot of people are big J.J. Redick fans. He's a great shooter but he's come up really short more times than not in the playoffs. I, most of these people are on the list because 
they've just come up bigger than him in the playoffs. Although I will say this, when Pager was on the Kings and they played against the Lakers, you don't want to hear this. But anyway, um, Glenn Rice is, is, is honorable mention, Dale Ellis, Mark Price, Roe Blackman, Rashard Lewis, um, Drazen Petrovic, Petro, RIP, Andrew Tony, Allen Houston, H2O, Purvis Short, Joe Dumars, Byron Scott, Mitch Richmond, Jeff Malone, Calvin Murphy, Jason Terry, and Rip Hamilton. And they all played in different eras. So don't get caught up in, well, he didn't really shoot the three or did. Well, I'm talking like a guy like Roe Blackman, he shoot the three. But he was primarily a jump shooter and he shot a lot of 18 to 20 foot jump shots. And they were they were raining down. He shot 49% from the field and he was primarily a jump shooter. He's a great shooter. Andrew yep. Tony shot 50% from the field. He was a jump shooter. Yeah, you 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 did you um you name drop Dale Ellis, right? I did. I uh-huh. did. Dale Ellis was big. I mean, Seattle, Dallas, Bucks. He, he the guy could shoot 47% from field, 40 from three. The, the interesting thing of all the great shooters, he's the only one that shot under 80% from the free throw line. It's, he's kind of like the anomaly. Everybody else is like 84 and up. Um, look at look at a guy like Petrovich. The last two years of his career were his best two years. 50% from the field, 43% from three, and 84% from the line. And I know people, you look at guys like KD and Bird because they were primary scorers, and you don't view them as shooters. But they both shot 49% from the field and 38% from three, and both shot 88% from the line. They're not just scorers, they're shooters. Anyway, H, we about to bounce and get up out of here. Any parting words for the upcoming free agency? Just for the record, anybody out there listening, that's the George Ganley. <laughs> Corey Dory, that's what I'm talking about. Only, only thing I can say is nobody's going to Brooklyn or the Clippers. I say <laughs> that's harsh. I don't know about Brooklyn, but I do agree about those Clippers. I think the Clippers might come up empty handed. The only reason I disagree on Brooklyn is because Kyrie, he's a weird brother. And he might just he might just be arrogant enough to think he can go to the Nets by himself. That would be a mistake. But we'll see. Sunday it begins. It's the cipher. Next time.